Hi friends, I'm Tim Whitaker and welcome to the New Evangelicals podcast. The New Evangelicals is an inclusive, Jesus-centered community that holds space for people marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and helps you explore the Christian tradition beyond the basement of evangelical fundamentalism. This podcast is part of that work, so join us as we talk to people from all walks of life, lending their expertise and wisdom to us as we renegotiate our faith and find better paths forward. Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome back to the show. Great to have you. On this episode, I brought on my friend, Riley Martinez, who's a political journalist who covers politics. And I brought her on to talk about the New Hampshire primary. What does it mean? And dive into some of the stats. Who did white evangelicals vote for? I bet you can't guess. And what it means for the future. This is a very short and sweet episode, just a little filler, trying to keep you updated, keeping you in the know with what's happening with our politics. So I'll get right into it. Hope you enjoy this episode. Talk to you all soon. Well, Riley, it's good to see you again. You've done so much content and work with us in the past, and it's fun to have you back. It's like old times. I'm so excited to be here. You are a political journalist now. That's amazing. I am, yeah. Wow. And I wanted I wanted to bring you on because you and I share a lot of the same values, and we track this stuff. You actually track it for a living. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the New Hampshire primary, and I had a few questions about that and wanted to gain your insight. So my first question, honestly, is quite simple. What are these primaries? How do they actually function? Yeah. Is is it like re- Republicans in New Hampshire vote for who they want to send up for the presidential candidate mm-hmm. candidacy? How, how does that work? Yeah, it's a little complicated with the fact that the U.S. has both caucuses and primaries. And so this is the first primary of the year, which is why it's so heavily watched. But as you probably know, Iowa had their caucuses think it was just last week. Right. So, right. And and they're they're done a little bit differently. You know, the Iowa caucuses are a very strange old process. And and caucuses tend to be more used in smaller states, less populous states, but yeah, so the New Hampshire primary is the first primary of the election year. So very uh very interesting and and has a tendency to be very indicative of who's going to win the primary elections. This year, I would say, you know, we're probably not waiting with bated breath like we would in other years, you know, Mm -hmm. where there genuinely is maybe some, it could be a toss up. But this year, I think we all pretty much went into this season, assuming it was going to be Trump. And that's definitely what the polls have shown and and the votes have shown. Who can vote in the primaries? Because I I read that, that, that Trump really got the Republican vote, but Nikki Haley got a lot of the independent votes. So can anyone in New Hampshire vote for their candidate? Is that how that works? Yep. So they have an open primary system. So if you are registered as an independent in New Hampshire, you can vote in in either primary. And actually, so this is very interesting. New Hampshire is probably the the state in the, like in the whole U.S. that has the, the largest amount of independent voters. I think it's something like 20% or something. Let me see. I have my have my data here, but they have a very strong, very heavy base of independent voters, and they're very proud. You 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 can listen to some of the interviews from Iowa or from New Hampshire voters, and they're very proud of being independent voters. And you have strong MAGA people that would still prefer to be registered independent than registered Republican in New Hampshire. I think it's just kind of maybe a cultural thing in the state. 
So yes, you can vote for either uh, either party in their open primary system. So here's the numbers I have regarding groups that support Trump. Very conservative voters, 89% voted for Trump, 11% for Haley. Republicans, 74% for Trump, 25% for Haley. White evangelicals, 70% for Trump, 26% for Haley. No college degree, 67% for Trump, 31% voted for Haley. And then among the groups supporting Haley, it was moderates, 72% voted for Haley, 25% voted for Trump. The non-MAGA vote, 63% went to Haley, 34% went to Trump. Late deciders, 61% went to Haley, 35% went to Trump. And then college graduates, 56% to Haley, 42% to Trump. Any of these numbers or, or stats surprise you as, as you were tracking this last night? Honestly, not really. I, I think, yeah, we saw in the polls, white evangelicals, you know, I think overwhelmingly, I think it was like 70% voted for Trump versus Haley. Did you read that stat or did yes. I pull in and Yeah, stat? white yeah. evangelicals, 70% for Trump, That's 26% right. voted for Haley. Yeah, I think maybe... I don't know if I should say I was surprised by that, but I think it's a very powerful statistic that we're seeing. I mean, we all we also knew that Haley was going to pick up the moderate vote and that she was going to pick up the college-educated vote in New Hampshire. I think what was surprising maybe is that how strongly the evangelical vote just always seems to be going for Trump. Yeah, because in 2016, in nationally, I think Trump got close to 80% of the vote, a white mm-hmm. evangelical vote. In 2020, he gained, I think it was another 2%. It was like 82%. It was a little bit higher. And then here we are now in 2024, and we're seeing indicative numbers that are right in line because in in the Iowa caucus, his numbers doubled from 2016. It was 50% of evangelicals voted for Trump this time instead of 21%. And now here we are with with the New Hampshire primary. And again, 70% of white evangelicals voted out. And don't forget, friends, this is not the the actual presidential race. This is just choosing who you want to run for president. So I, I do think that we need to dismiss this notion or this myth now, I would say, that, oh, well, white evangelicals are just choosing between the lesser of two evils because it's clear throughout this process who they actually want in power. A hundred percent. I think what's really interesting too, and this I think really is just been so evident throughout this primary race, but especially between Haley and Trump, is how much Trump has moved the needle in terms of the political spectrum, right? So you have Haley who, you know, kind of runs as like a neocon, a Reagan conservative, and and yet she's pretty much talked about in Republican spaces, especially in the interviews I've done, as a liberal, basically. A hundred percent. And it's crazy because her policy is so conservative. It is Incredible. I mean, you hear her rhetoric on abortion. You hear her rhetoric on queer people. It's incredibly conservative policy stances. America, America was never a racist country. It's like right. What? You hear these things, and so she's incredibly conservative. But because I think Trump has just moved the needle on the political spectrum, Trump conservatism is kind of now seen as the norm. And so anything, you know, Haley is like a liberal, and I think that that's been really evident throughout this primary. You know? well, well, I covered this when I visited America Fest because the whole America Fest ethos with Charlie Kirk and Steve Bannon was a complete repudiation of Nikki Haley. They were calling her as ambitious as Lucifer. She's sold out. You know, she's 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 a, to your point, a liberal. Yeah. And it is fascinating because, and tell me what you think about this. It seems like the GOP is in the middle of a war where you have the Trump is the the the, the Trump in Vivek Ramaswamy type of 
GOP fighting for control over the Chris Christie, Nikki Haley GOP. And it seems like that's kind of where the war is right now. Yeah. So I I agree. And also, I think I would take it a step further and say that there's not really a war anymore. <laughs> like, I think, I don't think that, I think the Republican Party pretty much is demonstrating that it is pretty solidly MAGA at this point. Maybe, maybe there was a war you know, leading up to this. But I think we're really seeing that, at least in my opinion, that the neoconservative era is is maybe over. And I just kind of prediction wise, I don't think we're ever really going to see another neocon candidate do really well. I I, I predict, you know, we're going to have Ramaswamy in 2028 or somebody like that. And so I kind of wonder if if the war has just kind of been, if it, it's been won by the MAGA conservatives. I tend to agree because Mitt Romney was the GOP nominee in mm. 20, mm-hmm. uh, well, it was 2012 now, I, I suppose. Yeah. And now he's completely eradicated from the movement. Yep. You know, Charlie yep. Kirk called him out from the stage in America Fest. Uh, Trump disowns him. And it seems like yeah. one of the major one of the major rifts is the election fraud narrative. It seems like like that is one of the things. In fact, there's actually a stat here. I have it pulled up. Let's see. It was for groups supporting Trump. Some of the major things that that really pushed them towards Trump was want candidate who fights for them. 86% of of people voted for Trump who supported that. Think Biden did not win the election in 2020, 85%. Wow. Is this from the the exit polls from New Hampshire? What are you pulling from? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, these are the New Hampshire... 13% 13% of people who believe that voted for Haley. Uh, 80% of people mm. who voted for Trump favor a national abortion ban. Only 17% voted for Haley. And then 79% said immigration is the most important issue. So clearly Trumpism yep. is running off of the grievance politics and the blatantly false narrative that the election was stolen in 2020. Right. That seems to be one of the big dividers, not so much the policy. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think... I think the statistic about the election is is so just terrifying. And I think it really kind of demonstrates this point that this that it, you can't win as a neocon in the Republican spaces anymore, that it's pretty much the MAGA. And I think what really is driving MAGA is like culture war issues, which Trump, you know, knows how to speak to. And, and that's kind of one the that's the Republican Party now. I, I honestly have to agree. I'm not aware of any of their um calls for more affordable health care. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. they're, I'm not even sure what their solution is for immigration. I yeah. mean, uh, something about building a wall, like, like that's somehow a magical wand that would just fix the problem. That's not really yeah. an answer. So it does seem like, and I, I do try and be as fair as I can. I try to call the balls and strikes. We, 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 we've covered all of the primary debates, et cetera, but I'm not aware of what their policies really are or what they're trying to aim for. I know. I think another thing that it's just really struck me from this whole, from all of the exit polls coming out of New Hampshire and also from Iowa is just what a big deal immigration is. And I I think it's really interesting to think about because, it, and granted, economy is definitely up there. And I think that economy, like, yeah, we, we can have a nuanced discussion about the economy. I get that people, you know, it impacts our daily lives. And so if you want to tell me who you think is going to be better on the economy and who's going to make your life easier. I'm happy to have like a a very nuanced discussion about this issue that literally impacts every single one of us. But I think immigration to me, especially from a state like New Hampshire that literally borders Canada, so could not be further from the southern border, right? That is, it's so interesting to me, the way I think that Trump especially has driven such a fear of immigration into Republicans across the country. Republicans that like, 
I know are not intersecting with this issue in any kind of really personal way, right? You have these New England Republicans who are saying that immigration is like one of their number one issues. And so that to me is just like really speaks volumes. Yeah. How about Biden? I mean, I believe that 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 he won, right? I mean, I but via write-in ballot, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, that was a really interesting, really interesting thing. It, you know, made history as the largest write-in ballot campaign. But yeah, he won handedly. <sighs> I I have a lot of thoughts on Biden as well, to be yeah. honest with you. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really discouraged in how he's been handling the genocide happening in Gaza. It's just mm. very discouraging. And I feel like a lot of people are aware of that and also feel like, well, if I don't vote for Biden, I could be losing our democracy. But also, I think Biden is meh at best and genocidal at worst at times, right? And it's like, that's not good either. So it's going to be a very interesting election year, I think. Do you have any any other predictions, any other surprises you think that we should be looking out for or anything else that we should be on the lookout for? I really do think that the war in the Middle East is going to play a huge role in this election. And it's interesting because at least in my lifetime, I don't think that foreign policy has ever really played like a huge role in American elections. I'm trying to think back. I mean, not definitely not to the point where it could make or break a presidential election. And I really do think that this war in the Middle East could could be kind of a death sentence for Biden, honestly. Really? And so I'll be watching how much that impacts, yeah, the discourse. What's what's the next big, is it a caucus? Is it a primary? What's next on, on the 2024 election map? Yeah, so the Virgin Islands and Nevada have their primaries, I think, in the coming weeks as the next ones to go. But nobody's really watching those because they're pretty much solidly going to Trump. And also, I think the Virgin Islands only have a couple delegates, so it's not like as influential as some other states. The next big one that we'll be watching will be South Carolina, which will be in February. That's Nikki Haley's home state. And it's also much more conservative than New Hampshire. And so since Nikki Haley did not do well in New Hampshire, it's unlikely that she'll do well in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of putting, you know, putting all the stakes there. Do you think if she doesn't win that that she eventually drops out? I could see her dropping out tonight. <laughs> yeah. You know, she said in her speech last night that she's not, but candidates rarely actually would, you know, drop out in their concession speeches. So it's it's very likely that she could drop out anytime up until South Carolina, but she'll drop out after South Carolina, 100%. Fair. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. I'm sure we'll have you back on again for the next yeah. big news that drops. And it was great having you. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. We'll talk again soon. All right.